0: Good morning, good morning, good morning. Happy Family Day. So excited to be in the house with our families. I love that you've brought your family, you've brought your children into the room for worship this morning. And I think it's going to be a good, good day. Actually, I know it's going to be a good, good day because we serve a good, good God. And we are so lucky that we get to love him and that we are loved by him. And this morning, the first song that we're going to sing, I've been feeling like this week as I've been sitting with the music, that it's like a little love song to God. I kept saying, oh, it's a soft, easy, simple song. And that's true. The lyrics are soft. The lyrics are easy, simple to sing. But we, the, the concept of being loved and feeling loved and giving our love to God is not always simple. But we can be loved in trial, we can love in trial, and then we can be loved and loved in triumph as well. And the lyrics of this song are fitting for both scenarios. So no matter what you're going through today, God sees you, and you can love him, and you are loved by him in whatever it is that you're going through, the trial or the triumph, And so my prayer is that we just genuinely sing out our love for him this morning. Genuinely, whatever it is we're standing in. I know I've said that a few times, but God is honing it in (laughs) because I think that that's what he wants, right? He wants our honesty, our vulnerability, and he wants us just where we are, and he meets us there too. So if you would join us this morning, we're going to sing about his faithfulness.
1: of heaven, so pour your spirit out, pour your spirit out.
2: Jesus, we thank you, God, that you are the God of the fresh wind. We thank you, Lord, that you just don't play the greatest hits, that you're writing a new song in our lives today. We thank you, Lord, that you are the same God from yesterday, today, and you are a God worthy of expectation for tomorrow. So, Father, whether we see it or not, whether we understand it or not, whether we know our comings and our goings, whether things feel like they're easy, peasy, lemon squeezy or not, Lord, we know that you are in control, Father, and we know, Lord, right now, I pray, a clear ear for everyone in this house to hear your wind, We need a giddy spirit, a spirit of expectation. I'm talking about a spirit that doesn't wait to see what comes to the door. We're waiting at the window, expecting our father to come home, expecting him to bring something new, something that we need, something that only he can provide. I pray for a clarity in each and every one of your lives. I pray for a deep desire and a passion to not walk with your faith, but to run with it. I pray for you not to wait for the next generation to break a current curse. I pray. The word says when we put your hand to the pile, don't look back. Last night I was cutting grass and getting bitten by mosquitoes but I was committed to getting it done. Don't let the devil mosquito bites. Don't let them distract you. Your hand is on the plow, and my God is faithful to complete the work. So let's pray. But I just don't wanna hear my voice. I want your Father to hear all of our voices in this moment. Dearly Father, Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you are in control, Father. I pray right now for a deep surrender in all the things that we wanna own or hold on to, whether in the home, in the workplace, in our community. Father, I pray right now that we release them to you, knowing, Lord, that you leave no thing void in our lives, Father, I pray right now for the family that has empty cupboards, for them to be full. Father, I pray for provision over everyone in this house, Father. I thank you, God, that you are the God of miracles father I pray right now that you touch everyone in need of one right now Lord and I pray Lord that they understand that you've never left the throne and I pray right now that we know we are beloved sons and daughters that our bloodline is that of a victor so I pray right now victory 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 over every household here represented today. I pray for every community represented here for a deep desire right now, Father, revival in our communities because we have a revival happening inside of us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you guys, good morning. My name is Kevin, this is my wife, Lisa.
3: Good morning, good morning. She said
2: for me, she said go up there, and just pray quickly that's what she said i will be i'll take her out to eat somewhere after church uh online thank you for joining us thank you for joining us today as you know we got the kids in here kids teens are getting ready to head back to school and start a new season and we're so excited for them
3: yeah we wanted to take This time, if you didn't know, we kind of have, this is our family weekend. We had fun yesterday at the park, hanging out together. Kids want to have fun. We want to have fun, right? But we know, kids and teens, we know that this is a time of transition, right? You've had a summer, you're getting ready to go back to school, whether you're going into kindergarten, eighth grade, college, it's a new season and it can be exciting, right? can be an exciting time going back, but we know as your church that it can also be a time that it could be a little scary. You might be worried about who your friends are going to be. You might be worried about the workload, right, older kids, how much work there's going to be, and you know what? As a Christian, sometimes it can feel a little scary being in your school, right? Maybe you don't have many Christian friends around you. Maybe people ask you, Do you believe in Jesus? And you say yes. What do you do on Sunday? Do you just play sports all day? Oh, you go to church. Why do you go to church? And it can take being brave, right kids? Being brave with Jesus to be able to stand up for that. But we as your church want you to know today that God has gone before you, kids. He loves you so much. He has already prepared the way. So work hard this year. No matter what grade you're going into, work hard. But most importantly, way more important even than the work, parents, is that you love Jesus. Love him with all your heart. Not just a little bit, love him with everything. Dare to be a brave kid and love him with your whole heart. Follow Jesus every single day. And you know what, same as us grownups in here, he will not let us down, okay? I'm gonna read a verse really quick. Parents, this would be a great verse. I only was thinking of this this morning. I thought this to myself. This will be a great verse for our kids to memorize, even for us. Have them memorize this before going back to school, if you can hold that for me, Kevin. Okay, let me see if I can open this. It's in the book of Deuteronomy. I wrote it down so I could see it better. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 8, and it says, God is the one who goes ahead of you. He's already gone ahead of you, kids. He already knows who your teacher's going to be, how it's going to be. He will be with you, he promises. He will not fail you. He's not going to let you down. So do not fear. Amen?
2: Amen. So we're going to come together as a church family to pray for our kids and our teens, believing for the season ahead, just as Lisa just encouraged us in. So if you don't mind just reaching your hands out if you're near a family or see some of the kiddos, just reach your hand out and join join us in faith.
3: Amen. Yes, Heavenly Father, we come together as a church, Lord, coming in agreement with these amazing families, these amazing parents and guardians that have been tasked with such an amazing ministry of being parents, Lord. And Father, we come together as their church, Lord, and we plead your blood over them. We pray for protection over them, Lord God, as they go into their schools, as they go into their daycares, as they go into their colleges this year. Lord, I thank you that you promised that you've gone ahead of them. You've prepared the way, Lord God. We pray for your favor over them this year, favor with teachers, favor with leaders, favor in friendships, Lord God. Help them to know how to make friends and how to be a good friend, Lord God. And may they know that you are their absolute best friend, that you are there with them, that they can talk to you at any time. So Lord, we pray that you would help them in their work, help them in all they do, Lord, but help them to stand up for you, that when someone asks them, give them the strength to say, yes, I do know Jesus. Yes, I do love Jesus. Yes, I do go to a church on Sundays. I am part of that. Give them the strength, Lord God, and we pray for a blessing over them this year. We know how much you love them, Lord, and we stand with them this year. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Amen, amen. And finally, we wanted to show you really quick, families, we are giving this out to the kids, mostly the older kids and teens today. We're doing a series on prayer, and this is called Hey God. It's a 21-day prayer devotional. Really simple, fun activities. But we also wanted to let you know it's a really, really amazing resource. Grown-ups, as we call you and kids. Grown-ups, if any of you want one of these, feel free to come to us after, and you can grab one of these. So thank you, everyone.
2: So kids, Mr. Vito has the sign. Follow him out, and we head out to our class with our team. We have an amazing kids team. Thank yes. you guys yeah. for, so yes. for all yeah. your investment into this house.
4: Yes, come on, church. Can you guys give Kevin and Lisa a hand for all that they're doing? Thank you, kids ministry team. You guys are rock stars. Incredible. Look, the Bible actually says. Why don't you guys just take a seat for a moment? The Bible says when you raise up a child, church. Look at the look at the generation. This is not the generation of tomorrow. It's the generation of today. These are not. These will not be missionaries on a field someday. Because I know when I grew up in church, it was like, oh, we're raising up so they could be missionaries or pastors or something someday. they are missionaries on the field already today. They're they're walking into a mission field every day, a battlefield every day. And for many of us who are post-35, it's a battlefield beyond anything we have ever imagined in our lives. We as the adults, we as men and women of faith, we can't be passive in this pursuit. We have to actually stand in the gap. The Bible says God is looking for men and women who will stand in the gap. That means you fill a space that other people, for other people who they can't fill it. A child can't fill that space yet, but you can't. Stand in the gap, stand in the gap, stand in the gap in prayer, stand in the gap as a person of faith, stand in the gap in encouraging them. Man, you may not even have kids in this room, but we've got spiritual children in this room. Because church for us isn't simply about a a, a service or a morning or a moment. Church for us is about a community. I don't know about you, but when I was younger, when I was younger, when I was younger, the community raised a child. Because it wasn't just my mama that... Could that correct me? It was the mama next door and the mama down the street and the mama eight doors down If she saw me messing around. Come on, anybody else have that kind of Right? Somewhere along the way, I'm not talking about bringing that back out in community out there. I'm saying we're bringing that back into community in here. Yeah. That no, no, no. When someone else's child is going through it, we're going through it. Yeah. When someone else's child is facing a trial, we're going to stand in the gap for that trial. Because I don't even have to know what the trial is, but I know the God who is sovereign over the trial. That's what a community of faith does. And so I want to just pray even before uh, we move on just any, a second, because I was uh, moved again this week by the reminder of uh, an innocent loss. A year ago uh, this weekend, part of our Philly family lost uh, an eight-year-old girl named Fanta. She was simply at a high school football game. Shooting broke out, and she died, and her parents are mourning. Her friends are mourning still. You don't have to know, Fanta, because the Bible says we mourn with those who mourn. Part of our Philly family is mourning today. I want to pray for them. Pray that God heals their heart, shows up in the midst of their Nights when they cry, I lost my dog in February, and I'm still, I still can't even, he was a dog. I can't imagine my eight-year-old daughter. Pray for God to move in Philly and on our kids' hearts. Not so they just don't have to face shootings, but so that they can be a light in the midst of a dark world that would continue to have shootings. I'm going to pray. Will you pray with me for that? I'm going to pray for that family. Because that family is our family. That family is our family. One mourns, we all mourn. Father, in the name of Jesus. We lift up that family. We lift up the family uh, of those who are hurting, who lost little Fanta. Lord God, I I pray right now for you to continue to move and soothe and bring peace in the midst of that situation, to to bring uh, revival and hope in the midst of a dark world. I pray that you may continue to rise up in North Philly, in in Philadelphia, New Jersey, in this greater Philadelphia area, young men and women of faith, eight years old, 10 years old, 18 years old, Father, that they may know you The hope of glory that they may stand as a bright light in a dark world. We're standing in the gap for them right now, not only for protection over teachers, not only for protection over students, but for revival in our schools, revival over kids, revival in our generation, revival, Lord God, only you can do it. Only you. It's not a law. That can pass. It's not a person sitting in the White House. It's only a God who comes into each and every one of our houses that can fix this problem. Yes, Lord. So, Lord God, come and move, we pray. Yes, be a God of peace in Jesus' name. Come on, will you join with me and say, amen, 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 amen. amen. I believe it. <laughs> hey, Let us be praying that this week. Be praying as kids get ready to go back to school. Just, can't, will, you, will you purpose with me to pray? I want to encourage you to this week, um, or today after service, we have a special moment. We have a ministry that is called Thy Kingdom Crumb. You'll see some people wearing green shirts around the room. It is our mobile food truck ministry that we do, and we bring food uh, to families all over the greater Philadelphia area. Um, We do it through curbside, giving family meal boxes. We also do it through um, through, uh, taking a food truck out and going into different spots. But for us, it's not simply about providing food. It really is about food is the means, Jesus is the end. And so uh, TKC is going to be out there just to give us a few moments after service to grab some food to get to know one another. you don't have to stay for 18 hours. this isn't an all-day commitment. come on I'm not this isn't life sentence but maybe just grab a grab some food and maybe just take a moment, take a chance, walk across the room and have a conversation with someone you don't know very well yet. Because I promise you, you can go to church with people for a really long time and still not really know them. This is just a time. So if you need to take it and go, take it and go. But we want to encourage you to come and stay and be a part of it. And be praying for that ministry. There's so much to it. Um, so, hey, are you guys ready for the word this morning? Yeah. <laughs> All right. No, no, no. Are you ready for the word this morning? Yeah. I'm ready for the word this morning. I'm, I'm actually excited uh, about bringing the word this morning um, in light of it being uh, um, kind of our family weekend and, and praying for kids and um, just being a part of it. And I, I'm not going to show the video, Jake. I, I, saw, I, saw, I saw you guys anxiously waiting. We had a video to show, and I'm like, nah, I'm just going to get in the word. Is that all right? I'm just going to. We'll put a video up sometime. Well, you can go to social media see the video. We, we are. The video ain't gonna change nobody. Come on, somebody. You can't, re- you can't count on a video, but you can count on the word. Yeah. So, we're gonna open the word today. Uh, look, if you, since you brought your Bible, why don't you open with me, with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy is the 16th book of the New Testament. It's uh, kind of right there in the middle of the New Testament. It's written by the Apostle Paul, it's written to his spiritual son Timothy, who happens to be the pastor of the church of Ephesus which also has a book in the New Testament written to it as well. And it's Paul really encouraging him as he goes through this Christian life and faces challenges as a person of faith. And what I love about the Bible when you read this stuff is you can say, man, I may not be the pastor of Ephesus, but uh, I'm thankful that God recognizes that as Christian people we go through things. And and you don't have to be a pastor or the bishop of of some city. It's just being a man or woman of faith Sometimes we go through things, so it's how do we go through things, and that's the encouragement Paul's going to give us in this word, and if you need a title for today's message, it's hang your cat. Where do you hang your hat? Where do you hang your hat? Because this time of year, I don't know about you, some of you may not know this, but I happen to be a little bit of a football fan, just saying I like football, um, and, and it's this time of year, oh, no one else in this room, you're a bunch of liars, Right? But it's this time of year that as football fans, you're starting to try to figure out, did your team make all the right moves? Did they sign the right free agents, right? Have they bolstered the line? Did they draft the right people? Why? Because you want to know, can you proudly wear your hat out on the streets? And are are you able to actually hang your hat on the fact that they did everything in their power to make this year worth it so that you can succeed? Because you and I want to hang our hat on the E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. That's all I'm saying. And if you don't, we'll have prayer service for you afterwards. If you're a Cowboys fan, we'll kick the demons out. That's in Jesus' name. People are hiding right now. But the truth is, come on, uh, we ask this question in every area of our life, don't we? Where are we going to hang our hat? Is this stock, is it going in the right direction for me to have my hat on? It is... This relationship that I'm in, is it going in the right direction? Can I hang my hat on it? Is, is, is this, uh, uh, can, I, can I hang my hat on the word of this politician or my boss or my friend? And, and what we're really saying is, uh, uh, what am I going to rely on? Can I trust? Is this trustworthy enough in order for me to count on it manifesting my hope in my life? What am I going to hang my hat on? And now, this actually comes from when back in the day, everybody would wear hats. I wanted to get one of those big, nice fedoras, and Danielle's like, no. No, wear a hat. There we go. And, And it comes from when they would go in and they would hang a hat on a hat rack and hoping that the hat rack was strong enough to not fall off the wall. And that's really what we're asking this morning. What are we placing our trust in as men and women of faith so that Our hope doesn't fall off the wall. So I guess the deeper question is when it comes to our spiritual lives, to the spiritual lives of our families and our kiddos, of our future generations, when it comes to the the future of what we're hoping for, what are we hanging our hat upon? What are we putting our trust in that will empower you and I to walk in holiness? What are we putting our trust in that will help us to love God with everything we've got and hold nothing back? What are we putting our What are we putting our hope in that will help us to overcome the schemes of the enemy so that no weapon formed against us shall prosper? What are we putting our, What are we hanging our hat on that will keep us until the end? You know when it really gets bad, when the labor pains increase, when we're when the church isn't able to be what the church is. What will keep us when we stand? What are we hanging our hats on? What will we trust to be enough to manifest those things in our life? These are real questions. Because we make these kind of decisions every day. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Right? The only way that we can trust in the Lord with all of our heart is first, we have to love the Lord with all of our heart. Because trust comes out of love. Trust doesn't build love. Love builds trust. So we, we actually love the Lord with all of our heart so we can trust the Lord with all of our heart and then we don't have to lean on our own understanding, our own logic, but he will direct our path. He'll make our path straight. There's such truth in this verse, isn't there? It's so beautiful. But, but in our lives, especially our spiritual lives, the truth is, as men and women of faith, we can have the best intentions on hanging our hat but end up hanging it on the wrong hat rack and that's what we do so often we have the best intentions behind faith but we're putting our trust in the wrong place when it comes to faith this is why this verse is so important because Paul is talking to his spiritual son here and he's saying Timothy I want you to know I understand there's going to be circumstances that uh, are challenging for you but you are not left Without power, and you're not left without hope because inside of you, you have the Holy Spirit. Inside of you, you have the presence of Jesus. You have the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Inside of you is greater. The one who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. I want you to know that you don't have to be passive, that you actually can be purposed in this pursuit of what God has in life. Yes. You actually can stir up something inside of you. And I love the fact that this this verse is going to tell us that the faith that Timothy has didn't come from himself. And if you're a parent in this room On family day I hope this encourages you Because Timothy wasn't Timothy Without his mother Lo- uh, Eunice who And she wasn't his mother Eunice Without her mother Lois It was Lois who had power It was Lois who had faith It was Lois who dwelt in faith And was willing to pass down What she had to her children She prioritized what was important It wasn't power It wasn't prestige It wasn't success It was the power power of the Holy Spirit. It was faith in Jesus Christ. And because it was in her, it got in her daughter. And because it was in her daughter, it got in her son. The truth is, what we hang our hat on will determine what we pass on. Because what's in us, we will leave to those behind us. Not what we believe, not what we want, not what we hope, what's in us, we will leave behind us. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5 says this, and this is really the main verse. It says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois, and then in your mother Eunice, and now I am sure, certain, dwells in you. You can underline that, dwells in you. For this reason, I remind you to fan and to flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I love it before we go any further, I love that word sound mind. That comes from two Greek words sozo and freno. Sozo is saved. Freno is mind. He doesn't say a sound mind, it says a saved mind. Right. Because people who have a saved mind think differently. It's not just think good thoughts. Where Peter Pan think good thoughts. I think I can fly. I think I can fly. Think happy thoughts and I'll fly. No, no. This is saved thinking. It means we have to see things differently. Right. I love this picture that this verse gives us because it's a picture of legacy. Of what was inside of these parents and grandparents got inside of someone else. And I love that it says it was genuine faith. Come on, let's ask the real question. How many of us really want to raise up our inner man and our inner, our inner woman with genuine faith? How many of us would love to, to be able to position ourselves to pass down to our friends, our family, our co-workers genuine faith? Faith. I'm not talking about religious views or weaponized Christian political views or simply the fact that church is a good idea to come to. I'm talking about genuine faith. Something that when those circumstances come, they can cling to because it's real. Real. I'm not talking about a theology, a belief, a philosophy. Jesus is not them. Jesus is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and He is real. I think many of us have the best intentions for our faith, but hang our hopes on the, wrong hope, uh, on the wrong hat rack. We need to have a saved mind. And this is where we have to recognize what we've been talking about for a while, the difference between the way modern believers may have been taught to think and the way disciples think. I think the challenge in our generation is that in our modern world, when it comes to the influence of faith, as believers... We tend to rely on the household we dwell in to be the influence or the influencer. The household we dwell in. The house of God we dwell in. I had people say to me before, it's my job to bring people to church. It's pastor's job to get them saved. No, it's not. That's relying on the house to be the influencer. We have been taught so often, man. If I all I have to do is kind of come to church, if I get to church, it will stir me so they get me through to next week. If, if 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 I'm putting my hopes in in the fact that if I can just have the right rules and the right dynamic in my household, then my kids won't mess up. But come on, how many of us know it didn't work for us? Oh, it's just me. It did not. I had lots of rules. I had lots of good dynamic. I. St- we're putting our hope on, We're hanging our hat on the wrong hat rack. Best intentions. Don't want my kid to get messed up. Don't want my kid to not love Jesus. Don't want my kid to run with the wrong folks. Let me get the right dynamic. Let, let me set the right household so the household can influence their decision. We do the same thing at work. We want to, we want to believe that our, our coworkers, knowing that we go to church, will somehow convince them that Jesus is real. But let's be honest, it doesn't work. Because we are relying on the influence of the house. As believers, we've hung our hat on this in our world today. That's why we need to, sozofrino. Think like saved people. See, disciples don't wait for the house to be the influencer. Disciples are influenced by the faith that dwells inside of them. It is not external faith, but internal faith that actually drives them and motivates them to move. This is what Lois and Eunice did. They allowed the faith that was inside of them, that dwelt inside of them, to come out of them and be the influencer of the world. So the question is today, who are we hanging our hat on? What are we hanging our hat on? Being good enough? Just letting people know that we come to church somehow, sometimes? Setting the right rules for our kids not to break, but we know that doesn't work. Right intentions, wrong hat rack. The issue is, I think, in this, gener- in this last generation, we've been taught to rely on external factors to be the benefactors of our soul. Yeah. External factors to be the benefactors of our soul. We're convinced somehow that if our environment can change, I'm not talking about the environment, I mean our environment, if somehow something in our environment could change, then our life would be better. That's why we've been taught to believe if my boss would just, if the government would just, if my spouse would only, we've even done it in the church world, if God would heal me, then I could be thankful. If God would actually give me that promotion, then I could be generous. If if I could just make it to church today and get into worship, I know then I will feel better. This thing of counting on external factors to be the benefit of our life is in all of us. This is how I know it's in all of us. Because it doesn't matter where... Any of us go to Target shopping. If you go to Target and go shopping, and somebody's kids are acting the fool. Come on, you don't know what I'm talking about because you've been there. Hopefully, it's not your kid that I'm talking about. If it is, forgive me. But like some kids acting the fool. And there's an urge inside of every one of us, come on somebody, to correct it. Because they are messing up my shopping experience. Uh-huh. And come on, that parent should know better. And this is what's wrong with this world. Kids gone crazy. We have an urge to correct it. As if, as if if all the kids in Target were acting right, then the world wasn't going to be crazy anymore. As if we could just have a good environment. See, we would convince ourselves that everything was all right in the world, but kids still getting shot down the road at a football game. Oh, but, but my shopping experience is good, so the world must be okay. No, no, kids still taking their life because they don't have hope. This is inside all of us. To rely on the change of exterior factors to be the benefactor of our lives. Someone else or something else's is issue to change, and it will benefit me. It's not... Because we're bad. It's because we're human. But it's the wrong part of our humanity we're connecting to. Genesis 3, it's part of the original temptation. The original temptation in verse 6, the enemy comes and says, Eve, Eve, this environment needs to change. It's not suitable for you. If if you could just take that fruit, if if you could change the environment, if you could just add something different to your life, your life would be so much, come on church, better. Better. And this is where the enemy wants us. And I need us to understand this, especially in the church world today. This is where the enemy wants us. The enemy wants to make us atmosphere addicts. Where we are addicted to the atmosphere. Where we are, we are fixated by the atmosphere. Where we find our fixed from the atmosphere around us, rather than from the God in the midst of that atmosphere. It's why we talk about worship songs and the way that we feel in worship and whether we like to raise our hands or not or whether clapping makes us comfortable or whether lights should be on or lights should be off. We are talking about the atmosphere because that's what our soul benefits from because we can hide or we can get energized or we can feel the goosebumps. That's why it's, that's why it's tempting to us. But the problem is, if we have to understand that that makes us vulnerable. It makes us vulnerable to, uh, to offense. It makes us vulnerable to disillusionment. It makes us vulnerable to unreal expectations. It makes us vulnerable to when things don't work out the way that we want them to work out, to be disillusioned and walk away. That's why the enemy wants to make us atmosphere addicts. That's why I walk out. My, if my wife, if my wife would have changed, I wouldn't have left. It's not really my fault. My kids are crazy. It's 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 the people that are in my family. The atmosphere. No no no. We 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 have to come back. We have to understand that 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 addiction to atmosphere actually connects us to something that's very vulnerable. Makes us very vulnerable in our world. Because it connects us to what the Bible says our itching ears want to hear. And just a few chapters later in 2 Timothy 4 verse 3, Paul says, church, be aware that in the end times there's going to be people that will create atmosphere. That you're going to want to hear and your soul's going to be energized from it. Why does it want it? Because it has been taught it benefits from it. But it's going to undermine our life. And so over the last decades in church life, we spent countless hours and countless resource and time creating the right environment for people, trying with everything to create the right environment for worship. We've created props and and cafes and lounges and sermon series to create better environments with the hope that that environment would create faith in people. And I get it because we did it and we did it really well. I preached on it all over. I went to conferences to speak about it. And here's the truth. Here's the truth. Here, Atmosphere keeps people. Because that is where our soul is taught to look to the benefit from. So the moment you walked in, you started to look for the atmosphere. Whatever atmosphere you think is spiritual or you think is beneficial or you think will make you comfortable with God, you started unconsciously to look for it because your soul thinks that's how I'm going to benefit from it. So, environment will, atmosphere will keep people until the atmosphere changes. Until there's a pandemic, come on, church. Until there's a pandemic, and then the atmosphere in my living room is not the same as the atmosphere sitting in church. And so faith, that faith that we thought was so important, starts to wander away. And it doesn't need to be that major of a deal. It doesn't have to be a major pandemic. It could just be a pandemic in my marriage. Or a pandemic in my job. Or maybe a pandemic in the loss of my dreams. Or maybe it's a a breakdown of trust. Or maybe it's a quarantine of hope. Maybe I got sick and I'm not healed yet. See, the issue is when we base our faith response on the atmosphere then in our minds, the environment God allows becomes the level of faith we allow allow ourselves the leniency to have. In our mind, whatever environment God allows gives our soul the ability to have that kind of leniency in its walk in faith. Let me give you an example. We see this in Gideon's life in Judges chapter 6. Right? Judges chapter 6 tells us that the the enemy was in the harvest field. They were robbing the harvest from the people. And because of that, Gideon was in the wine press, in a a wine press, in in a pit, threshing wheat. Because his environment had dictated his faith response. How do I know this? Because of his response to God. An angel shows up and says, hey mighty warrior, what are you doing here? And his response to that statement from God is in verse 13. He says, pardon me, God. This is actually in the Bible. Pardon me, God. If you're such a Lord, if you're Lord of all of us, why is this happening to us? Here's what he's saying. If my atmosphere was different, then my faith would be different. But don't you think it's interesting how God corrects that? How he speaks into it. He doesn't talk about what's in the field. He doesn't talk about what's in the house. He doesn't talk about what's in the neighborhood. He talks about what's inside of Gideon. What was inside of him that made him think that way about God and rely on his atmosphere rather than rely on the God of the atmosphere. It's not what's in the environment around him. It was what was in the environment inside of him that mattered. Matter of fact, we see this. Jesus, in Luke chapter 9, has three people all at once come to him. And one person says, I'll follow you no matter where you go. And he says, I want you to know, don't have a house, don't have a lot of money, don't have a lot of things. um, So if environment matters to you, this probably isn't your best choice. Another one says, let me bury my dad first. Another one says, let me go talk to my family before I make this big decision. And Jesus is saying, man, that what they are saying is... When all these external factors, if all these external factors line up, then all is good with my response. And Jesus says, you're missing it. It's not when external factors line up that'll make the difference. It's when I line up with your heart that'll make the difference. The truth is, my friends, we can even see this in the Pharisees, can't we? And the Pharisees get a bad rap, by the way, a lot of times, I think. But the Pharisees were just trying to change their nation. They were trying to change their nation. But they thought, they thought, they thought that the at, if they created the right atmosphere, that the right atmosphere would change their nation. So do you know how they did that? They created 613 laws. They tried to change the law. They tried to change rules. They dressed certain ways. They wouldn't eat with certain people. They believed in segregation. They believed that there was an us and a them. And if the world understood those rules and the us and them and the, th- and the reason why they did what they did, that that would change their nation. But you know the truth is it didn't. It made it worse. It made it worse. That's why Jesus comes and points out to them that the only core thing that can change us is found in Matthew 16, 24. If you want to be my disciple, you must deny self, pick up your cross, and follow me. I don't know about you, but that does not sound like a good atmosphere. Like, like last time that I was in Israel, I, I, I hurt my ankle and I had a boot on, so I walked down the Via Della Rosa on crutches. Uphill, downhill, in the heat. It was hard. My hands were bleeding and blistered. It was painful just walking that distance on crutches. I can't even imagine the pain of carrying a cross. So Jesus is not telling us that the atmosphere of faith is going to be easy. The atmosphere of faith is going to be uh, good. The atmosphere of faith is going to be comfortable. He's saying the only thing that matters is a constant, persistent pursuit of a person And his name is Jesus. Are you and I hanging our hat on Jesus? Not making sure that I bring my kids to church so the church straightens them out. I'm hanging my hat on Jesus. I'm hanging my hat on his word that says if I raise them up in the way of the Lord. Come on. If I am authentic. If I am real. If I am blessing them and praying over them and believing for them. That when they get older they won't be perfect. But they'll be walking with Jesus. See, 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 that's where it has to be. Okay. My, pers- my, my pursuit isn't for the better atmosphere. Right. My pursuit is for connection to the person. Can I get real with you just for a moment? I'm going to take this to a deeper level, a bigger picture. Many of us, including myself, grew up in a country and in generations where there were certain parameters of culture that protected us and shielded us from actually having to manifest faith. Manifest a deep faith. A deep trust in God. Not a trust, not of God, and uh, not for God, or about God, but a deep trust in God. And somewhere along the way, we believed, we lived in what we believed was a Christian nation. With Christian values and Christian laws and Christian views. Now, now I, I recognize that many, many of our black and brown families today didn't experience that. But in the prevalent church world, in the view of the church as a whole in America... There's this belief that since we lived in this Christian world in this with Christian values and Christian laws and Christian views it's 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 staggering right now it's 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 causing men and women Christian folk to struggle today because for generations in our country the church was perceived to be standing on the moral high ground the church was perceived to be, to have maintained a sense of cultural superiority But today, we've lost that cultural superiority. We're no longer the dominant force when it comes to culture or politics or core family values. And here's the kicker because we depended on them to be the influencer, because we depended on the house we built to be the influencer, we are freaking out. Because we depended on the house to be the influencer rather than the faith that dwell in us to be the influencer of our world. That's why we're struggling today to get back to X, Y, Z. Because if we could just get back to X, Y, Z, then everything would be good. But it wasn't good back then. It just insulated us from having to manifest faith. We want a God culture. God wants God carriers. I'm going to say it again, America. We want a God culture. God wants God carriers. Because when we want a God culture, we will focus our energy on creating the atmosphere of Christianized viewpoints. But if we become God carriers everywhere we go and anyone we come in contact with comes in contact with the love of God, the power of God, the forgiveness of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God, the supernatural power of the Spirit of God. Romans 1, 17 is clear. The righteous shall live by faith. It does not say the righteous shall live in the comfort of a culture of faith. It says the righteous will live... By manifesting faith. I don't manifest faith in the comfortable. I manifest faith in the uncomfortable. Hey, Peter, get out of the boat in a raging storm. is not comfortable. Hey, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, hop into a fiery furnace. Not comfortable. Hey, Daniel, get in the lion's den. Not comfortable. Hey, Lazarus, die so that I can resurrect you. Not comfortable. Hey, Jesus, suffer hell for your people. Not comfortable. What will we hang our hat on? What are we depending on? The issue is that when our faith is challenged, our go-to move as believers, as modern believers, is to try to do whatever we can to change the atmosphere. To change the atmosphere of our nation, or our laws, or our communities, or in our house, or in the church. Instead of learning to dwell and trust in the Lord, despite the atmosphere. We spend countless amounts of energy trying to perfect the atmosphere around us. Well, if I could just change this thing in my relationship, if, if I could just act this way, maybe he'll like me better. If if I could just please him this way, maybe this could be this could work out. Hoping that the atmosphere will change them. And maybe change us. But don't get me wrong. Atmosphere can be a powerful thing. When we pray, it changes the atmosphere of our mind and our hearts. When when we try to create our home to be a safe place, it can create an atmosphere where there's vulnerability and honesty and, and intimacy. When we worship, come on, when we worship, the atmosphere changes because God's presence shows up. Man, there's nothing like sometimes walking into a place where people are really going for it. I mean, I can tell when we've actually spent time as a family in this place in worship before we came in because you're coming in ready to go for it. And when we go for it, there's something that happens in that environment, man. You get the goosebumps, and it's awesome. Matter of fact, Revelation four eight tells me that in heaven... The atmosphere of heaven is worship, right? The angels are crying out, holy, 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 holy. But it is not the atmosphere of worship that makes God holy or even heaven holy. It is the presence of God that makes heaven holy. It is the presence of God that makes our worship holy. It's not the goosebumps, the lights on, the lights off, hands up, hands down, clapping, on beat, off beat, good voice, no voice. It doesn't matter. It's the presence of a king. These are all uh, good things, but we cannot confuse them for the God thing that we've been called to, which is faith dwelling in us. I love Acts 16, verse 1. I love this. Because it tells me that Timothy's family was messed up. Because sometimes you read the Bible, you're like, yeah, of course he loved Jesus. He had a perfect family. No, not everybody in Timothy's family was on board. Not everybody was on the same page. The Bible says that he had his mother. His mother was Jewish but a believer. But then it says, but his daddy was Greek. The insinuation is that his daddy was not a believer. Now, for you and I, that's good news. That's really good news. Because what it says to me is that we don't have to be perfect. We just have to be purposed. I want to take some pressure off some parents today, some folk today. You don't have to be a perfect parent. You don't have to run little Johnny and Susie and Stacy to everything and be everywhere and at every parent teacher conference and make sure they're at every event or, or they're not, or they're going to they're get screwed up if they don't have everything the way you. They're called to live in your world. Oh, they're not called to be your world. You don't have to be the perfect spouse. You don't have to be the perfect Christian. You and I just have to be purposed. Purposed to set our heart on God and to pursue him with everything we've got. The truth is my friends, we all have but my daddy is greek moment inside of us. Some of us have but my dad was emotionally unavailable to me. He never told me he loved me. He was always working. Good provider, but I don't I don't really know how to love my kids cuz he never loved me. Some of us have a mom that had anger issues. Some of us could say, man, I don't really know because my boyfriend or girlfriend really broke my heart when it comes to relationships. But pastor, you've got to understand, I've been hurt in church before. No, all of us have a but my daddy is Greek moment in our lives. What I love about this story is that the truth is that might have been prevalent in their home, but it was not pervasive. The faith that dwelt in Lois and Eunice was more powerful than the imperfection they dwelt in. Let me say that again. The faith that dwelt inside of them was more powerful than the imperfection that they dwelt in. Some of us need to grab a hold of that. The Bible says in verse 5 that faith dwelt in them. That verb in the Greek is an aorist verb. It actually means it started and goes on and on and on. It means they continually inhabited Faith, no matter the circumstance. Yeah. Faith. And I'm not talking about an idea or a philosophy, I'm talking about a person. His name's Jesus. Because faith is the God deposit that He placed inside of us. It's our reliance and our connection to His presence being active inside of our lives. It's our willing daily submission to His lordship, His sovereignty, His goodness, His grace, His love made manifest. So that we can trust it, so that we can be real in our lives—not perfect, just purposed. Purposed to do what? In this house, we're going to serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we're going to serve. The, I know, but sacrifice. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I know, but we've got bad. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I know, but my friends don't think. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. But it can't be a rule. It can't be in them if it's not first in us. That's why it's got to be built not on an atmosphere, but on a person who's Jesus. That's why Jesus says in Matthew 7, verse 24, foolish people build on atmosphere. Wise people build on a rock. A rock is not uh, an environment, a rock is not an atmosphere, a rock in the Bible is a person. His name is Jesus. Jesus is the rock, the chief cornerstone, the rock of ages, the rock that gave water when they were thirsty in the desert and was split open, the rock the builders rejected. He's a tried stone, a precious cornerstone that they threw out but God restored. He's the capstone of the house of God. It's not an ideology, a philosophy trying to do better. It's actually a person who we're called to dwell with. Jesus says it like this in John 14:23, "If you love me and do the command and, and follow my word, my Father will love you, and listen to what it says, and we, He will make our home in you. Yeah. We'll dwell with you. Faith dwells. We're almost done, how y'all doing. Good. I'm sweaty, I need a drink. We need to take courage by Lois and Eunice. They didn't have it all together. They didn't have the best atmosphere. I'm sure there were some squabbles. Come on, somebody. Mama wants this and Daddy wants that. Oh, there's going to be some issues. But when Lois and Eunice inhabited this purpose, they allowed the faith that dwelled in them to produce a love of God that manifested trust in God, which became the deciding factor, not the environment. It was this faith that dwelled in them that produced, what does it say? A child of genuine faith. Yes. I love that Greek word, genuine faith. Do you know what that means? That word actually in the Greek means sincere, non-hypocritical. That's, those two words actually are. It's a, com- a combination of no hypocrite. You produce a child that is a non-actor, one who doesn't wear masks, one who doesn't rely on outside props, but makes faith his home. Faith, Jesus, his home. The person of Jesus, the promises of Jesus, the purpose of Jesus. It's not the atmosphere, but the king who reigns despite the atmosphere that makes our faith sincere. He's our, so, our focus so that even if he changes it or doesn't change the circumstance, it doesn't matter because my eyes never leave the focus of who I'm called to focus on. Danielle and I have a pool in our backyard. It's an in-ground pool, and it has a leak. It has a slow leak somewhere. I don't know where the slow leak is, but it has a slow leak in it. But I need to let you know, I'm not worried that because it has a leak in it, that the soil and dirt around the leak are going to get in the pool. That's really not my concern. My concern with the pool having a leak is that it's losing water. It's losing water. Because when it loses water, it loses its purpose. See the tr- the truth is my relationship with the pool is dependent on what's inside the pool. It, 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 it's my relationship is not with the soil, my relationship is not with the leak, my relationship is with the water. In the pool the water in the pool the water in the pool then I could have all the best beach chairs set up around the pool I could have music banging around the pool I could have steaks on the grill so it smells good around the pool I could have the beach ball ready to play with in the pool I could have the best uh, environment and atmosphere around the pool but if there's no water in the pool it doesn't matter it doesn't matter see my friends the reality is Atmosphere will never supersede authenticity. Atmosphere. Because sooner or later, people will jump in and realize the pool's empty. So we, you and I, can try to create a safe place for our kids, to be honest with us, but if we're not a safe person, let me say that again. We can have all the best intentions to creating a safe place, but if we're not a safe person, it doesn't matter. We're going to have all the best intentions of raising our kids up with good Christian values. But if Christ isn't in us, atmosphere will never supersede authenticity. Sooner or later, they will jump in and find out the pool's empty. What am I hanging my hat on? Atmosphere or authenticity? Authenticity. in Forge this week, which is our men's discipleship groups. We have men and women's discipleship groups here that go throughout the week. It's uh, video teaching, and then we get on Zoom meetings to, to walk this thing through. And you can find out more about that at the end of service, but we were looking at this verse in Ephesians 5.15 that says, when you walk, walk in wisdom circumspectly. And I, that word is always interesting to me. That word circumspect actually means intentionally, with purpose. Do you and I realize that God is a God That's intentional. He is intentional. Just look at creation. There was light and land before there's plants in humanity. Because if there wasn't light and land first, we'd be swimming in the darkness. Come on, the plants couldn't grow because there's no light. And he didn't just hope that the garden would work, he actually put Adam in the garden to tend to it. So it wasn't just relying on the atmosphere of the garden. He was purposed to actually put someone into the garden to intentionally take care of it and manifest his presence in it. Hey, Adam, here's your job. In the middle of this, bring forth who I am. Has not changed for you and I. Faith, my friends, is knowing that God has intentionally inserted himself into our situation. and trusting him to be him in the midst of it and making him our dwelling place. Moses says in Psalm 90 verse 1, Moses says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place for all generations. That's what must have gotten into his spiritual kids, Joshua and Caleb. Because when you look in the Old Testament, Joshua and Caleb could not have depended on the, on the environment, on the culture, on the nation around them to get in line for them. Their culture that they were living in had a mindset that was counter to who they were called to be. Do you remember in Numbers 13? They go in and spy the land and they come out and they go, environment's all wrong. Too many big people, too many big trials, too many big obstacles. We can't do this thing. Good thing Joshua and Caleb made God their dwelling place. Because they had to rely on who dwelt in them, the presence of God. Not in people or culture or right government or right environment. Matter of fact, the next chapter... Joshua stands up in the midst of him and says, what's wrong with you people? God led us here. God can overcome the, uh, the, the battles. God is stronger than the giants. God is bigger than the issues. God can knock down the obstacles. God has led us. Why are we afraid? God has led us. God has led us. God has led us. It wasn't an environment he was trying to create. It was a person he knew. It was a person he knew. One of my favorite verses is Exodus 33:11. It says when Moses left the tent of meeting, Joshua stayed joshua stayed he got as close to god as he was allowed to go and though everyone else walked away he said i'm going to dwell right here i'm going to stand right here i'm not going to be moved by what they do i know who i have been called to love and i'm going to position myself to love them with everything i've got i'm going to make this place my dwelling place have you and i made god have may we made jesus our dwelling place do we visit him or do we dwell with him? Wow, Is he our spiritual ATM that we go to when we're ro- lo- running a little short? Is he our spiritual lottery that we're rolling the dice, dice with and hoping someday he shows up? Or we got like Joshua. And we said, man, Moses may leave. And my friends may go. And the people I used to walk with may walk out. But man, I know where he dwells. And I'm going to get as close to that as he'll let me get. And I'm going to make that my dwelling place. So the question, my friends, is who are we dwelling with? Who dwells in us? Pastor D always reminds me of Psalm 42, verse 7. It says, deep calls unto deep. Deep calls unto deep. When a whale calls out with whale song, another whale responds. But a whale will never respond to the chattering of a porpoise. Because a whale responds to what they are, not what's what's in the water. Disciples respond to who we are, not to the chattering in the water. It is not the environment. It is what's in us that matters. Come on. This is why Paul says to Timothy, stir up your faith. Fan it into flames. Be intentional with God. Don't let faith grow cold. Let the deep spirit that's inside of you call out to the deep Holy Spirit for more. We sang that song today, Holy Spirit, more. Holy Spirit, more. Holy Spirit, more. Holy Spirit, more. Let that be our hearts cry, God. There's not enough of you in me. There's not enough of me in you right now. God, I'm standing too far away from the door. I'm hanging my hat on the Christian life, on how good I've been, or how nice I can do it, or the fact that people know i'm a christian or i hope my kids know that i love god no 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 no. i'm hanging my hat in dwelling with you and trusting you and knowing you because the more i know you the more the atmosphere doesn't matter because you are the god of atmosphere you are the god above the atmosphere you're the god that can change circumstance you, so i'm not going to give up hope when my kid walks away because i know the word says if i raised them up in the way of the lord when they get older come on How do I know that? How can I trust it? Because I know the one who spoke it. It's not about the faith that I can muster. It's about the faith that I know. Come on, church. How amazing is it that God says you can stir me up? Excuse me? That's what that verse said, by the way. That verse did not say, wait for God to stir you up. Wait for circumstance to stir you up. Wait for the preacher to preach a message that stirs you up. Do you know what that word said? It said, stir me up. Right. Stir up God. We get to stir up God when we spend time with him. When we get in his word. When we get in his presence. When we actually w- decide to, to, to prioritize his word, his way, his will, his kingdom. That is what makes it authentic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This is atmosphere. That is authenticity. I'm going to end. <sighs> but Paul is telling him this because he knows. My friends, listen to me, please. He knows he's going to face situations that are going to make him afraid. What's the end of that verse? say? God didn't give me a spirit of fear. Why tell that if I'm not going to be afraid? He knows circumstances are going to be challenging. He knows Timothy's going to actually face a martyr's death. He knows that just being a pastor of church isn't going to be enough. He knows having good Christian friends like Paul ain't going to be enough. He knows the atmosphere of just singing worship ain't going to be enough. He said you got to stir up something that's deep. Let the deep things of God stir up the deep things in you. Because we're going to have to fight a Goliath. We've got Goliath coming. Whether you're 14 today, 44 or 84, you've got Goliath coming. And this generation can't fight a Goliath with a TikTok video or a better GPA average or an SAT score. And we can't fight our Goliath with a promotion. Or swipe right on Tinder. Or an increase in our followers. We've got to fight our glass the same way David did. He certainly couldn't count on his environment. The environment he faced was a man twice his size, skilled as a warrior when he was a mere shepherd boy, a teenager. He had an army behind him. David... He had scaredy-cats who were ready to run at the slightest moment. He had his brothers telling him he couldn't, his family telling him he couldn't, his king telling him he couldn't. But do you know who told him he could? The one he knew was his shepherd because he got to know him when no one saw him, when he was alone in the sheep field at night. When he was in his quarantine time, come on somebody, when he was in his winter season, When he wasn't on the stage of life when no one noticed him when he wasn't being promoted when everyone overlooked him when everyone thought he was inconsequential when everyone thought he was unqualified he was working to know a god who was a shepherd so when his goliath came do you know what he said He said, King Saul, don't care what you think. The same God that rescued me from the paw of the bear and the mouth of the lion is the same God I know today that I can hang my hat on who will rescue me from this uncircumcised Philistine. I don't need him to run away. I don't need my king to pass a law to make things better. I don't need the army to come with me because I have the king of the heavenly armies who's got my back. Because David had private victories with God, he was able to fight public battles for God. You want to know what will really change your kids when you actually have private victories with God. When you actually do the private work. Because they can smell fake atmosphere, that's why it's not working in church anymore. They got the sniffer. Mom, why are you always talking about Jesus, I ain't never see you with him. Why are you singing like that on church real loud? When you turn on worship all week, when I heard you curse out that barista for just putting almond milk instead of oat milk, oh. I'm just telling myself right now, everybody look away. It's not your public persona that'll change this generation. It's not our public battles that we stand up and protest and fight against. If you ain't authentic in the home, it's not gonna be authentically passed down in them. Man, I've messed up as a dad more times than I could count. I've been a Greek dad to my my son more times than I can count. But I wanna be like Lois in Eunice that says, man, Timothy's daddy Timothy's daddy may have been Greek but he's going to be raised by a heavenly father. He may have come from some messed up background. His daddy might be all dysfunctional but the heavenly father I'm going to raise him with he ain't. And that's what I'm going to hang my hat on. My trust is in the Lord. My trust is in the Lord. And the more That he dwells with me and I actually get close and dwell with him. Let the atmosphere come. Let the circumstance rise. Let people, not like church, come against my God. It's okay because it ain't going to sway me. Because I know who I dwell with and I know who dwells in me. And I am persuaded to believe that he who began the good work in me will bring it on to completion. I know where I'm hanging my hat. I'm really asking you where you hanging yours. You don't have to be perfect this morning. Thank God. There only, there's one who was. That's all that there ever needed to be. But all I need to do is be purposed to hang my hat on him. So maybe you've been hanging your hat on how good you've been or that you came from a church background or you've been trying to be good. But My friends, that's not really going to get you anywhere. Today I'm asking you, will you make a decision to hang your hat on the love of Jesus Christ for your life? Hang your hat on him being Savior and Lord? That means he Makes the decisions. His word, not my opinion, matters. His way, not my will. Because if you are willing to do that, I promise you, there will be real faith that dwells up inside of you. Real faith. Real faith that will hold you until the day he comes. Because he who starts the work in you, he is faithful to bring it to completion. Come on, let's pray. Whew. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. My friends, here we are this morning. I'm asking you, this whole message has been an invitation to have your hat on the gift, the free gift of salvation of Jesus not in a Christianized worldview. not in the hope that this nation becomes a Christian nation again as if it ever was, I'm asking you today, are you willing to be a Christian? Are you willing to give your life to Jesus Christ and to intentionally lay down your will for His? The Bible says it's as easy as asking Him into your life. To confess Him as Lord and Savior with your mouth and believe in your heart that what He did on the cross and in the the empty tomb was enough. Today you'll be saved. So I'm going to ask you to pray with me, everybody. But maybe you've been relying and hanging your hat with best intentions but on the wrong rack. The rack of good works. The rack of trying. The rack of attempting. Today I'm going to ask you to take that same hat and put it on a hat rack that will never move, never changes. That's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that is the love of God in Jesus Christ. And ask Him to be Lord and Savior of your life. So just say, Dear Lord Jesus, here I am today. I've come to give you all my life. I'm asking you, Jesus, to be the Lord and Savior of everything I've got. I take off my hat and I give it to you. I put all my trust in who you are. Forgive me of all my sin. Cleanse me of everything I've done wrong. Fill me with your spirit and make me your child. I choose from this day forward to live for you to dwell with you, to walk in your word, to walk in your will, to walk in your way. For your glory and not mine in Jesus name. I trust you. Amen, amen and amen. Come on, can we give God a shout of glory? If you trust Him today, He's worthy. Hallelujah. Oh! I love good atmosphere. I'm I'm hoping and praying next week, even though it's Labor Day. I told Danielle, I already got my outfit picked out next week because it's the last day I can wear white. Someone say amen. Good, it's Labor Day I can wear white. But I'm praying that some authentic worship happens this week outside of this place. That, that, That some authentic pursuit of Jesus happens out there so that when we get in here it ain't a jump start when we get in here we, we just following on when we come in here we don't start at ground zero when we're starting level 20 come on and then, then next week 25 and then th- we Amen. atmosphere will change with authenticity but authentic atmosphere will never change authenticity oh i love you guys look if you prayed that prayer Pastor Rick went outside. Pastor Rick said, you don't need Jesus. No. Pastor Rick has a great shirt on. He's outside. He'll be around the tables that we're going to in just a second for free food. If you made that decision, can I really encourage you to talk to him? He's got some books for you and for your, te- for your teens and tweens that are just going to help you. Maybe you want to know a little bit more about what I was talking about today. These books will really help you. Easy read, fun read. He's a phenomenal writer. If you're online today and you want these, you can uh, you can go to info at uh, theconnectchurch.com and we'll send these to you for free. But church, thank you for letting me speak to you today. Thank you for being patient with me. Thank you for letting me work through this with you. I'm sure some of you felt like y- y- I worked it through with you. I hope you worked it through with me. One last thing we're going to do before we go today. Pastor Irene's going to come and she's going to uh, help us in wor- worshiping with our offering today and you know, your offering is an expression of how we depend and dwell on him as well. It's part of everything. That thing that we said about everything, love him with everything, this is part of that. Our worship in every way, in every how. Come on. Can you give Pastor Irene a hand? She's coming.
5: Good morning, church. What a great message. Don't we have the best pastor, Pastor Kyle, speaking about genuine faith? Let's give him a hand. I want to talk a little bit about genuine faith as well. It's an honor to give today, isn't it, church, into the house? So I'm going to put up a a verse in a minute, if you guys could put that verse up. But I just want to remind you, there's ways to give up on the screens also. There's offering envelopes all around the auditorium, and there's the kiosks, and there's that great QR code that you can put your camera phone on as well. So there's a wonderful verse in Colossians chapter 2, and Colossians has a lot of great verses about Giving thanks. I want to talk about gratitude. We don't have to wait till Thanksgiving, right? Church, talk about gratitude, right? So let's put that verse up. Colossians chapter two. It says, "So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built, strengthened in the faith." as you were taught. We talked about faith today. And overflowing with thankfulness. And that part really stood out to me. Overflowing with thankfulness. What is coming out of my heart, you know? And this week, I had some trials. I was squeezed a little bit. And I was wondering, what is coming out of my heart? Anybody else had trials this week? I know I'm not the only one. I know I've heard some trials that were going on in the house. And we want to be overflowing, you know, with thankfulness to have that coming out of our heart because it says that we are to give thanks in everything for that is the will of god it says in scripture in 1 Thessalonians so whether you're going through a trial or not what's coming out of us are we giving thanks we just sang so beautifully today church didn't we some beautiful songs some of my favorite songs he's our rock of ages we stand on his faithfulness we asked him to blow his spirit upon us to pour his spirit upon us and he did didn't he church he is faithful He is faithful so we can have overflowing hearts today of gratitude as we give to him. So will you pray with me, church? Father in heaven, we thank you so much. Father, we want to have that genuine faith that Pastor Kyle spoke about today, that our hearts would be overflowing with thankfulness toward you and praising you. No matter whether we're in a trial or in a time of blessing, we give you praise. We give you honor. You are that rock of ages that we can stand upon. You blew your spirit through this place today, Father, for you are faithful. You are our mighty fortress, our deliverer, our rock, our high tower, God. We could go on and on about how great you are. So we give to you today, Father, with a thankful heart. May our hearts be overflowing with love and gratitude for you today. And all God's people said, amen. 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 Come on, give Pastor Irene a hand
4: really quick. All right, can you guys just stand with me really quickly? We're going to go out. Uh, we got the free food truck. It's, it's ready. There's all sorts of great things. If you have your kiddos, make sure you pick up your kiddos. Take them out there. There's special stuff for the kiddos as well. Um, and, and we have, I know there's water ice out there. There's hot dogs and cookies and all sorts of goodies. I can't, there's a list, and I can't even remember the whole list, but it's good. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for investing who you are into who he is. May the Lord God Almighty bless you, and may he keep you. May his face shine upon you this week. May you know him better each and every day, better than you've ever known before. May he open our ears to hear his voice, our hearts to receive his love, our souls to be submitted to his will. And may he fill us to the very depths of our being with the Spirit of God that comes from him, that we may know him, love him, trust him, and dwell with him like never before. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. I'll see you out of the truck. I'll see you next week.